0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. I have enjoyed breaking down the Word of God for you each week. I'm allowing some of our staff uh, to help break down the Word of God for you each week. And it's been cool to kind of walk through that. Has anybody actually read and follow along and enjoyed reading before you come to church? Like two people. That's awesome. No, uh, now it's actually enjoyable because you get the my hope is that you'll read the scripture, the passages before you get here. And then my heart is that I answer a bunch of questions that you have about it. And hopefully um, you fall in love with the scriptures. See, here's the goal at Thrive. I don't want you to love Thrive Church. I want you to love Jesus. Yeah. Right? So Thrives a can do it for you to love Jesus. Um, I don't want you to love my preaching. I want you to love the scriptures. And hopefully my preaching will lead you to fall in love with the scriptures. And so that's it's just so the secret behind what I do here, what I pray for you guys, is that number one, that you say, well, oh, yeah, I love Thrives Thrives cool. That's great, but I hope you love Jesus. And number two, not I just love his preaching. No, I hope you love the scriptures. I hope you go home each week and you're studying and you're drawing from the scriptures. We're going to be today in Colossians 3.0. 18. Colossians 3, 18. You can go ahead and turn there in your copy of God's Word. Uh, John Galbraith uh, gave in his autobiography this really neat story about his housekeeper, Gloria um, Emily Wilson. She actually uh, was given the task one day of holding all of his phone calls. He came from a, uh, a lot of meetings. He said, I'm very tired. Do not answer any calls. Nobody gets through. She said, yes, sir. So he went and took a nap and, and laid down. The phone rang and it was lending. B. Johnson, the president. True story. And he said, may I speak to Mr. Galbraith, please? And she says, I'm sorry, I cannot disturb him. He says, this is the president. She said, sir, I work for him, not for you. And I'm not going to answer the phone. He said, okay, thank you. He hung the phone up. Later, he got through to Mr. Galbraith and he said, I want that woman working in the White House for me because she knows <laughs> she knows who her boss is and what her mission is. And see, for us as Christ followers, it's the same way. We have to know who our boss is and we have to know what our mission is. And today, I've simply come to tell you that your master and your mission are both heavenly. And this is what Paul shares um, with the church in Colossae, which seems like a pretty elementary idea, right? Like, yeah, I got this. It's good. Um, But many times we don't live it out. We know it, but we don't live it. And so Paul um, actually shares with the church in Colossae kind of the breakdown of relationships. And I'll show you why that's important, because in that day and time, they weren't living in the 21st century. They were living in the first century. And many of us don't remember history class Dewey, Alright? Does anybody remember history class, the first century history that some of you do? Good. Then, then you'll know what went on there. The rest of us were like, we look at the Bible in 21st century eyes and you have to start with what was happening in the first century, okay? You have to start with that. And in that day and time, familial relationships were not as they are now. You didn't have dads playing softball with, 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 with the son and daughter. You didn't have this, this great family atmosphere. It was much different. So let's jump into it and you'll kind of see uh, Paul addressing key family relationships, and then you will uh, cap it off with understanding mission and master at the end. Let's get verse 18, and I'll break all this down so nobody get mad as I'm reading. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands, all the wives got mad, don't worry, I'll explain that, um, as fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for the this pleases the Lord. Any any parents say Amen in here? Amen. All right, so children, always obey your parents. This pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. And the children said, Amen. Or they will become discouraged. Let me just insert something real quick here. Um, And this is a sidetrack. I had a a very young man, a a student come to me this morning. He said, Hey, uh, and and he pulled me aside. And usually young people don't do this. I just want to do this real quick. He said, Can you just, can can you please uh, say happy birthday to my dad? It's, It's his birthday today. And so, Clay Trivet, uh, your, your kids want to say happy birthday. I just want to, hey, all right, amen. I don't usually take requests, but when a, but when a, a student comes to you, and they're like, hey, I need you to do something for me. Like, That's cool. Um, so, so that kind of goes in with the scripture there. Uh, and then he goes in, verse 22, slaves, and realize it was a different first century slavery was much different than what the, uh, the abomination that we had in America and we had in Europe. Much different. I'll explain that a little more too. But he says, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you, but serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. And look at verse 23. Work willingly at whatever you do. At what? Whatever we do. Okay, so some of you got it, others you didn't. Maybe you'll, you'll, get, you'll get home. Um, as you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Verse 24. Remember that the Lord will give you inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has has no favorites. We are all God's favorites, right? In the first century, even Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, said this. He said that it was necessary to deal with ordering in family relationships. And this is what Paul does here in the first century. He gives some order to the church in Colossae. And here's what he's doing. He is showing them how relationships look at a Christian level. When Christ is your Lord, when you follow Jesus, when he is your master, that's how relationships should look. And many times we forget that our mission That our master are heavenly. Do you ever feel like sometimes like your life is just kind of random and you have no purpose and you're kind of just going through the motions? You're wondering really what's happening? I mean, I don't know about you, but even as a pastor, sometimes I feel that way. There are days, I'm not saying all the time, there are days you're just wondering what's going on? (laughs) What's really happening? I feel like I go to a job, I punch a clock and I come home and nothing is divine about my life. Nothing is supernatural about my life. Let me share with you and submit to you that if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, your life is supernatural. Your life is divine. And that you have a master and a mission that is heavenly. And that's the big idea today, is that your master and your mission are heavenly. And you say, you look at me, you're like, yeah, Kevin, I know that. Yeah, Jesus is my Lord, everything. I've heard this before. But here's the problem with Christianity. There are 12 inches between your head and your heart. Some of you have 16 because you've got big heads. Um, <laughs> so you've large hearts. Um, but, but, you, but what happens is we know this mentally, but we don't live it out in action. It's actually, there's a, there's a term called practical atheism. Atheism is the, the idea and belief there is no God. Everything's random. Everything has no purpose. It's funny how atheists believe in karma. Who created karma? Atheists. Who orders karma? Who does all that? Because you know, that, that, that's illogical in another sermon in itself. But atheism um, is the belief there is no God. There is, there is nothing order in the universe. And so atheists don't mind no morality. Morality is nothing to them. It doesn't matter. If you're a true atheist, murder doesn't matter. None of that matters because there's no, there's moral relativism. Here's the problem though. You look and say, oh yeah, atheist, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many of us that are practical atheists. Let me explain what that means. A practical atheist is someone who believes in Jesus with their head, but does not live out his teachings in their life. They're practically atheists. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got this, Kevin. I got it. You're preaching elementary stuff. But many of us don't live out the things that Jesus is telling us to live out. Jesus being your Lord and your master means he calls the shots, not you. That's what it means to follow Christ. And somewhere along the line in American Christianity, we have turned it into just a mental ascent, a cognitive idea that, yeah, I believe in this historic guy. He died 2,000, or 2000 years ago. He, he, he rose on the third day. I believe all that. It's good. I'm good. But it's got to get from here to here to here and that's what I hope to submit to you today is that we don't live as practical atheists imagine if all of us took the idea that Jesus is our master and that he has us on a mission practically wouldn't that change our lives? What joy would that add to your daily life when you get up in the mornings, you're like, man, I don't know what's going to go on today, Lord, but I know that you have mapped my day out. I know that you have placed it in my job, even though I may hate it. I know that you have placed me around these knuckleheads I work with. I know that you have... Imagine that even the most mundane of tasks... Could become worship yeah. the most mundane of jobs you could be so thankful for and you could be like the terminator remember the terminator if you've not seen the movie they need to see it like when you when you saw what he saw was like all these scanning and he's like doo, 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 and saw numbers he saw something in a whole different view than what a normal person saw it what if we looked at life that way where everything looked divine but we knew that our mission and our master are heavenly. And it's so easy to lose that. Even as a pastor, you may think, yeah, but I had a guy tell me the other day, he's like, yeah, but you know, you get so much reward from your work and you see all this spiritual stuff. You know, you know a lot of what we do as staff, we work behind a computer most of the week. There's so much administration to do. 30 Thursday night, I was still behind a computer doing intake paperwork and W-9s and all that. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I do. What do you do all week? W-9s, intake paperwork, trying to get staff, people hired, doing this, doing that. Uh, and, and sometimes in the midst of all that, even I can forget that Jesus is my master and I'm on a heavenly mission. Sometimes you get caught up in trying to, to, trying to do so much uh, and, doing, and, and fixing this and doing that that you forget that your life is actually divine. I, this happened to me when I was in Florida. I'll never forget. I got really frustrated with, with ministry and with pastoring. I just didn't like what I was doing. I mean, I hated what I was doing, to be honest with you. And I was in this real frustrated uh, point in my life. And I read Psalms 37.4. I mean, you guys all know it. If you uh, commit your ways to the Lord and, and, and he'll give you desires of your heart blah, 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 and all that. And I knew that. And the Lord said, Do you know what Psalms 37.4 says? I was like, yeah, God, I know it. Okay. Preached it. <laughs> <sighs> he says, but here's the deal, man. I have put you on this journey. I have given you this journey that you're on. And you're despising the journey that I've put you on. This journey that I've given you is from me what's going to happen is, and he told me this, and I still didn't listen to him. He said, you're going to look back on a season of your life and regret that you were so frustrated and miserable because you missed me and everything that I was doing. Wow. And friends, when I look back at certain seasons of my life, when I forget this principle, when I miss that Jesus is my master and he has me on a, on a heavenly mission, then that's when I look back and say, why did I forget that? Because everything in your life will suffer if you miss this, this big point here. And Paul wanted to make sure the Colossians knew that whatever you do, man, work for the Lord. You got Jesus as your master. Don't ever forget that your life is divine if you're a follower of the Lord and Jesus. So here, here's what happens. When you know this, when it, when it really gets into your life that Jesus is your master and he has you on a mission, here's three things it produces that Paul gives us. And the first one is harmony in relationships. Say harmony. 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 Not perfection. Harmony. Harmony in relationships. Verses 18 to 22, Paul gives husbands and wives, children and then slaves. He gives them all some ordering, some things that need to, do, need to happen. And here's what he does here. If you look at that, he says you need to have Harmony. See, the husband and wife relationship was much different in the first century. In the first century, the husband owned all rights to land. He was the legal owner of the estate. The husband had everything and he could treat his wife. Because in the first century, women didn't have rights. You realize that? I mean, do you, you think it's bad now? I mean, 50 years ago, 100 years they had no rights. They were possessions of their husband in the first century. And so there was a resentment with some of those women toward them. And Paul says, first of all, wives, listen, as much as possible, man, try to, to work in harmony with your husband, Submit to them as fitting with the Lord. You know, husbands, and this is, this is the thing too, he gives husbands a greater charge than wives. Husbands, love your wives. Because in that day and time, the wife was a possession. The wife was something they owned. He says, no, 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 no. I I need you to love your wife. I need children. I need you to treat your parents with respect. He gives a natural ordering of harmony in relationships. And listen, uh, let me show this. If you know that Jesus is your master and you're living on mission with him, then you live in harmony. Uh, When my wife and I get into a debate, we don't argue, we have debates, right? (laughs) Big difference always let the Holy Spirit speak to me after we get into that, that argument. Because sometimes you don't deal with it correctly in that moment, right? Does, yeah. does anybody deal with it always in the moment correctly? No, nobody does. But when, when, I, when I go away and I'm sitting with God, the Lord really pricks my heart. He really touches my heart. And I said this at, at, at our sweetheart dinner um, in, at, um, at the Richmond campus if you were there, is that our, you know, for me, the Lord was like, you know what, Kevin? You're disrupting the harmony of this relationship because of your attitude. You need to get your big boy pants on and you need to fix yourself. Now that's hard stuff to take, right? But see... God wants us to live in harmony in relationships. Not perfection but in harmony in relationships. And that's what happens when you know Jesus is your master. Because He, Listen, if you're a husband or wife, he tells you about that argument, not you. Well, I just think, I feel, and I believe. It doesn't matter. What does Jesus think, feel, and believe? What is he saying to you? Not, you need to pray for my spouse. No, what is he saying to you? What is, what is he speaking to you? And when you have Jesus as your master, when you know you're living on mission, you strive for harmony in relationships. We stop being selfish, cantankerous, argumentative, and negative toward other people. If you live that way, Jesus is not your master. I don't know who is. But I promise you, if you are negative toward people and angry and you're, you're spouting off, Jesus isn't your master. See, Paul even says this, and he wrote to the church in Rome in the first century. He said um, in Romans twelve eighteen. If it can be done. Say that. We say, if it can be done. Okay, so you got that. As much as possible, as is possible, watch this, on your part, who? Live uh, in peace with all men. See, when you follow the Lord Jesus, you do all you can do to live at peace with people. That doesn't mean you live in partnership with them. If you're in an abusive relationship, then you can, you know, separate from that person and let them get the help they need and you can be live at peace with them, right? Somebody say amen. Amen. To forgive someone doesn't mean you live in partnership, but you can live in partnership with someone um, or or live at peace with someone without living in partnership with them. You want to have harmony in relationships. And when Jesus is your master, from the home to friendships, work relationships, social media, all that, it produces a harmony that we live with others. There's a certain pleasantness about life. Here's the second point. When Jesus is your master and you know he has your own mission, here's what else what happens. And Paul gives us this in verse 23. A proper work ethic. Now all you guys are going to hate me today. A proper work ethic. <clears throat> Look at verse 23. Work willingly at whatever you do. At what? But I don't like my job. I'm going to cut corners. I'm going to show up late and leave early. A boss's means I'm going to do it in spite of him or her, and I'm going to get back at them. But what is, what is it when somebody lives with Jesus as their master, and then their mission is heavenly, this is what it looks like. Verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do. Watch this. Now, why do you do that? Why would I do that, Kevin? Watch. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You, you have come kind of that, that slave uh, relationship it, it gave earlier. It's not the same thing as, as we saw with the abomination in America and Europe and, and, and throughout the world that we saw um, um, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago. But here is what that was, more of an employee-employer relationship. And that's how it attacks us today. How would you live that out today. It's employee employer relationship. And when you realize that Jesus is your master and your own mission with him, you'll have a proper work ethic. That's one thing in my generation we just don't have. We don't have a proper work ethic. Right? That's right? Uh, my dad, I, I look at what all I do, and I work really hard. My wife would tell you I'm a workaholic. That's, that's my, my Achilles heel. You know, I told Pastor Keith, he's in a small group on simplicity this, this semester. I said, well, I, I'm, the t- I'm the token guy of you don't live simple. You know, work nonstop. And one thing that I saw with my dad is he, he worked nonstop, but he always had a good attitude about it. And he never complained about work. Never. Never. I was thinking about that this week. This guy would get up at 2 or 3 in the morning, get in, you know, 10 or 11 in the evening, work nonstop and never complained. And he wasn't a follower of Jesus. One thing that we lack in this generation is a proper work ethic. And listen, your work ethic is not just because you want to work hard. It's because you represent Jesus and you're working for Jesus. You're not working for the person giving you your paycheck. Amen. They may sign your paycheck. Do you know where your paycheck comes from? It comes from the Lord. But Deuteronomy says well, he gives the power to get wealth. And so when I worked in the secular workforce and I worked in recruiting, uh, corporate recruiting, the biggest issue we would find is a, a job would say, I need these slots filled. And I would go through looking at resumes. I would pre uh, screen people. I could not find people with a proper work ethic. This generation, this day in time, for some reason, we do as little as possible and want as much as we can get from it. That's just a mark of our generation. But as a follower of Jesus, we don't mirror our generation. We represent Jesus. And when somebody says, why do you do all that you do? Said, say, man, Jesus is my Lord and I love him. And I want you to know Jesus too. Oh, I'll never forget, I, you know, um, I worked in concrete. Much my whole life. I grew up as a kid playing at concrete companies with my dad. And then as I grew up, they put me on front end loaders and I, and I had to shovel. I literally shoveled three or four hours a day. That's what kept me in good shape. Um, and, and that was my job before I went into the ministry. And I had this young guy, his name was Rodney. He came and worked with me. I was training him for my position because I was going to school. And we would shovel for hours and hours. And I'd be humming like Christian songs and just shoveling and working, shoveling and working. He said, man, he said, do all that you do, man. Like, you never stop working. Is that all that water you drink? I was like, no, man. I said, it's Jesus. Like, this is worship. The Lord has given me strength. He's given me ability. He's given, this is, I just love Jesus, man. He's changed my life. Oh. He, really didn't to, he didn't want that. But when you know Jesus is your master and he has you on mission, it changes the way that even you work. Not only your relationships, but the way that you work. And it's so important. Do you realize that the scattered church is more powerful than the gathered church? When we go out, you're going to, right now, we're not, we're impacting very few people that may not know Jesus today. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Man, I hope you, by the time you leave, you know Jesus. But when you leave, you'll, you'll, you'll impact people and you'll be around people this week that do not know the Lord, that I'll never get to meet. You'll be around them. And they're going to look at your work ethic, they're going to look at your life, and they're going to judge the gospel, and they're going to judge Jesus based on what you do. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I, I worked with a, um, a a preacher named Charlie, and, and that was his name. And, uh, and, and Charlie, you know, was, was a reverend, and he was this and that. They have several that I worked with when I was in concrete. And I'll never forget, Charlie was the biggest scoundrel of scoundrels. Like... I hated preachers before I got saved because of Charlie. He was a typical guy that would come in and preach at you and tell you scriptures and he went to church and he did this and that, did Bible study with his wife. But then he had people showing up at our office wanting to kill him because he owed them money. He had women showing up there because they couldn't get in touch with him because he had been sleeping with them. And they knew where he worked at. Yeah, he was a preacher. And so could you imagine when I'm like I give my life to Jesus and I'm talking about how awesome Jesus is and how great Jesus is to these other coworkers and then guess who they bring up? Charlie. What about Charlie? I could just take Charlie out quietly, <laughs> hug him until he falls asleep and we get I would. It would be great. I mean, Jesus would look great to my coworkers. We can't do that. You know? It's the doctrine of laying on the hands until they fall asleep. Um, <laughs> but that's the bear that I came up against. There was deacons and there was pastors and there was reverends at my job that were scoundrels and whoremongers. I was trying to live for the Lord, I was remaining pure, I was serving Jesus and then these guys come in talking about how the Bible studies and sermons and driving their their BMWs and Lexus and all that stuff in their church and then they're going around sleeping with other women at the job and then I'm having to overcome that when you know Jesus is your master and he has your mission, it changes the way you look at your job your job is your mission field Thank God that we're going to you know, do a mission trip to Nicaragua coming up this summer. There are 25 people attend the inf- inf- information meeting last week. It was phenomenal. I love it. We should do it. It's great. We're doing an egg hunt at with Holton. That's good. That's great. But the greatest mission we will ever do is our daily lives. I'm so sick of hearing the church. Say, we need to do outreach. Friends, the early church didn't have an outreach program. They were the outreach program. Amen. They didn't have these endeavors. because Here's what I've seen. People will go out and give away eggs to kids they don't know but will treat their coworkers like crap why don't you do outreach you are outreach i am outreach our lives are outreach everywhere you go you have no clue who Jesus is going to put in your path and you've got to always be ready anywhere that you are at. Here's our third and and final point. When you know Jesus is your master and he has you on a heavenly mission it changes your eternal perspective. It changes your eternal perspective. It produces an eternal perspective. Uh, Verse 24 says this Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is is really, is serving as Christ. It's Christ. Friends, realize this. You may not get paid a lot from your job. You may think nobody's looking and realizing what you're doing, but Jesus sees it. Jesus sees your faithfulness. Jesus sees what you're doing. And you got to realize something. You have an inheritance that goes beyond this life. Do you know how, how small the life, this life is? James calls it a vapor, a mist. I mean, you think a hundred years is a long time? How long is 10 million years? Because do you realize when you slip out of this earth suit and and you go into eternity, you're there forever and ever and ever. And do you realize that this life is so short? But when you realize that Jesus is your master and he has you on a heavenly mission, that he has you on a divine mission, it gives you this eternal perspective beyond what you're doing. But my mom, um, when I first entered uh, doing church ministry, she gave me this little uh, sign to hang up. And it was really cute. I still have it to, to this day. It's packed up all my stuff from home when I had to clean their house out. But it said, um, working for the Lord pays little on earth but the retirement package is out of this world (laughs) and it really is I mean it really is and that's something that we need to understand is that we have an eternal glory that outweighs the little afflictions that we're facing on this earth and that when you know Jesus is your master and you know that he has you on a mission, it changes the way you view everything in life. Your relationships are different, the way you interact with people are different. You know, I understand that people are judging Jesus based on my life. For instance, um, there are some people uh, that I know, and they have a family member who was a pastor that committed adultery on his, on, on his wife, who's their mother. Um, and. I'm a pastor. So what do you think they're always thinking about me? They're always thinking thinking the same thing. So I have to realize that Jesus, how they view Jesus, hinges on my life to them. And because I know he's my master and I know he has has me on mission, on a divine mission. I understand that relationship that, that I've come into with these people are given by him. And he wants to impact their life. Here's what happens if we lose this mindset. We lose passion. We lose purpose. Where does your joy come from? It should come strictly from the Lord, your source of joy. Now, and the Lord challenged me in this. I'm doing a a devotion in 1 John, and I close here with this. I was doing this devotion, and John said, I write these things to you that your joy may be full. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, Lord, my joy is not really full. And I felt the Lord say, well, where are you getting joy from? And I started pointing to all these things in life. He said, they can never give you joy. Only I can give you the joy that you need if you understand that I'm your master, I'm your Lord, and I have your mission. Everything you need comes from a proper perspective of who God is in your life. And Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, was trying to nail down to them, is that everything in your life will look different when you understand that Jesus Has you on mission. And he is your master. Maybe today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're struggling in an area. Where you're saying you know what. Life does seem mundane. There is a part of my life. That seems like it's just random. There's no divine ordering to it. Maybe you're struggling in relationships. Or that work ethic thing. And hopefully today. Here's what I've done for you. Here is my prayer for you this whole week. Is I'm giving you some perspective. I'm taking you from ground level, and I'm Google-earthing you to 30,000 feet, and you're looking out saying, wow, yeah, my life is divine. It's not out of order. It's not random, but the Lord totally has this thing. He has given me a mission. Jesus is my master, and I'm going to live that out because people need the gospel in my life. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you this morning um, before our worship team leads us into worship, and I want you to do this. Um, As the worship team leads you into worship, don't try to get out and get your car and get to the buffet early because what you need more than the buffet and get there early is you need Jesus to help you not be a practical atheist. To live out what we've talked about today. Let's let's pray. Father in the wonderful beautiful name of Jesus we thank you for these scriptures that Paul reminded a small church in a small town 2,000 years ago that everything they do they come in contact with. All the relationships are ordered should have harmony because he is their master and he has them on mission. God, I pray today that we would not live our lives as though it seems random, but we would live our lives, God, on purpose. Every conversation, every relationship, the job that we have. I pray for revival, not to try to hit a church building, but hit workplaces, to hit families, the Lord, you would speak to our hearts and you would do a mighty work in us. Now today, God, I pray for all of those in here.